Hi, I'm Fanny Blanc, and this is Progressing Planning, a podcast series on the role of planning on fostering change in contemporary society. Today, I'll be talking to Mera Kumar. Mera is a project officer at the New Jersey Economic Development Authority. We'll be talking about the economic development strategy of smaller cities and states in the U.S., response to the COVID crisis, and about helping Black and Latinx business owners and entrepreneurs access public and private capital. Hi, Mera. Hi, Fanny. How are you? Good. Thank you. So my first question for you uh, is that New Jersey is very close to big cities like New York and Philadelphia. And I was just curious about how New Jersey can assert its economic strategy um, when being a neighbor to these big cities and also how um, smaller cities in New Jersey can assert themselves as, as, as an economic place of development? So I think, yes, New Jersey does have a huge city of its own, but it is very centrally located on the eastern seaboard um, between Philadelphia and New York but also a few hours away from D.C. and Boston as well. So almost every big city on the East Coast and the Northeast has access or to go between them, you need to go through New Jersey. Um, I think that especially because of COVID, a lot of we've seen a lot of movement of people away from cities into suburb, suburban areas, but also um, of companies who are interested in relocating out of these big economic centers. So that has been a huge thing just recently um, for why New Jersey is seeing a lot of development and a lot of inward bound motion from different groups. Um, but just in general, I know that in terms of logistics and transport, I think it's like over 50%. Okay, I think it's 33% of the U.S. populations within a day's drive of New Jersey. We have the port of New York and New Jersey, one of the biggest ports in the country. Um, and so I think a lot of our economic strategy has to do with seeing that we are not a state with a big city, but we have so much we, have so much we can do despite that. So I think we're trying to work in eight specific areas right now um, as per Governor Murphy's economic plan. And a lot of those industries necessarily would not work out in a big city. For example, offshore wind. New Jersey has a push for offshore wind right now. We're building a big wind port in South Jersey. Um, and that wouldn't be something you can really do for sure in Philly because it's inland, but also in New York City. You could have it perhaps in Long Island or elsewhere. Um, but I another example is advanced manufacturing. I do think that Um, you're not going to have a lot of manufacturing happening in New York City, at least not anymore, because it used to be an industrial hub, but now it's very more geared toward finance and services. So I do think that we have to be strategic about which sectors we are focusing on and think about um, the fact that, yes, we don't have a big city, but we are able to use that to, as, a, as a strength, really. I'm also curious, like you, you mentioned that New Jersey could be stronger on other sectors, um, such as uh, wind farming. Are there any other uh, economic sectors that differentiates New Jersey from other states in the U.S.? So I think um, one of the facts that we love to say at NJED about New Jersey is that we have the highest um, amount of engineers per square mile. I think we have the best public education in the U.S. by most counts. Like 
we do have like a very skilled, educated workforce. So some of those sectors that we do focus on include like technology and life sciences. We have a pretty big bio um, biotech industry in New Jersey. Um, we're trying to work more in areas like food and beverage. So that's something, a logistics challenge, but also you need space to grow. What, what would that look like? I think historically New Jersey has had things like telecom, um, a lot of big like insurance, like Prudential is here. Um, we do have like a lot of big industries that have been here for a long time, Samsung, Verizon, AT&T. So. And um, from what I understand, there's a lot of uh, projects to attract uh, more industries in the future, right? For sure, yeah. So I EDA has always been um, focused on, you know, creating incentives um, and support for companies within New Jersey and to move to New Jersey as well. So, for example, we work all across the spectrum, all sizes of company. But an example of a project I worked on last year is this program called NJ Accelerate, where if you're a startup company and you go into an accelerator, which is kind of like a boot camp for a startup, and you want to locate in New Jersey, maybe you're from New Jersey and you're just coming back home, or maybe you want to move to New Jersey, um, we would provide you funding um, in terms of money, but also in terms of working space for a set amount of time if you come to New Jersey. So we will invest in you, and we do have those programs um, to show that you know we want these industries to grow in New Jersey. We think New Jersey is a great place to locate. So we have a lot of programs similar to NJ Accelerate and not just attracting companies here, like I said, but also helping companies here um, thrive. Hmm. Well, that's super interesting. Um, I am curious about how uh, the Economic Development Authority you work for uh, has managed the COVID-19 crisis. Um, has there been any special response? And um, how do you think going forward this will affect the economy? Oh, yeah. So in terms of the response to the COVID crisis. Um, we've been supporting communities across the state from the very beginning. So back in last March, when the crisis first started, especially since we're right here next to the epicenter of um, the pandemic, um, we rolled out a ton of new programs and those took different forms. It could have been um, grants, low interest loans, financing guarantees, free business consulting. Etc. So we were trying to target at-risk businesses. That includes like micro businesses, businesses with under five employees, um, minority and women-owned companies, um, and businesses located in opportunity zones, which are like our places where you want to concentrate investment. It's like historically disinvested communities. Um, it was actually like so I would help to process grants for probably the entire summer last year for four to five months to get. A lot of us switched over from our normal roles to help get this money out to New Jersey businesses. Um, and it was interesting being on this side of the equation. It was also a little, of course, sad, right? A lot of businesses shut down, a lot lost a lot of money, but at least you can put a bandaid in place to help them hopefully recover in some form. Um, but the interesting thing was one of the coffee shops right next to where I live, I told him about the grant program. and. Like they had no idea about it. They ended up applying. They got $10,000, which is a huge help for them. Um, and now whenever I go there, they're, you know, they love, they love being like, oh, my God, this, this grant really helped us. And it's cool to know that we actually do make an impact, um, even in our the communities where we live as employees of EDA. Yeah, that 
that must feel good to have a positive impact uh, yeah, and see concrete things happening. And do you think that in the future, um, responses like this will be available to businesses if we do another, have another, God forbid, health crisis? I, I, I certainly hope so. Yeah, I think that we were actually like ED itself, we were quick in getting out the funding and standing up these programs even quicker than our federal response was. So once we got extra federal funding, we were able to double down on our programs and do extra funding and increase the limits of how much people could receive, things like that. But I do think, like, yes, I think getting money to businesses and to people now is, is the way to go, especially in, in these kinds of instances. And, and do you think, um, is there any system in place in order to track how these businesses are doing now? Um, we do track every business that we help, and but I don't have access to that. I haven't seen it yet. Um, I do think it's possible that, you know, maybe a year out, we're able to go back and see, like, how many of those businesses were able to stay, you know, open uh, mm. or what they did with that money. Yeah. Yeah, this data will be fantastic to study, I'm sure, uh, for your authority as well. Um, yeah. So uh, I've seen that your organization is addressing uh, the challenges that Black and Latinx businesses, owners and entrepreneurs face when attempting to access public and private capital. Uh, how does this lack of investment uh, impact New Jersey cities and what strategy does the New Jersey Economic Development Authority is turning to? Sure. So I think that this has been a focus um, at EDA since Governor Murphy um, took office. So he always talks about creating a more inclusive um, and diverse innovation ecosystem in the state. So that's been important for us as we go about our work now too. Um, so as part of this year's budget, fiscal year 2022, um, the governor's allocated $10 million for the EDA to develop and launch a seed fund, um, specifically investing into Black and Latino communities here in the state. So I think that as per the numbers out there, um, American companies in 2020 raised $150 billion in venture capital funding, but less than 1% of this went into Black-owned companies. So we want to make sure that in part of building that inclusive um, ecosystem, we need to invest in these communities, um, which have just as good ideas and proposals, if not better. They just don't have access to capital because they are discouraged or perhaps it's a lot of investor bias as well. Um, investors invest in people who look like them. And most investment um, professionals are white men. So white men do get the majority of funding, not just in New Jersey, but across the U.S. So this um, idea for the Black and Latino Seed Fund has been in the works for almost a year now. We've been maybe even longer, but we've been having conversations with industry leaders, thinking about how we can best craft this kind of vehicle. Um, and thinking about all the institutional barriers that Black and Latino entrepreneurs really face and how we can, you know, help them through get through those barriers. So it's just one of the programs we're doing. I've been really involved in it, which has been really cool for me to talk to these people who are making a difference in venture capital, but also to think about, you know, we can be one of the first states, if not the first state, to have this kind of proactive approach, which is great. Mm. Yeah, this is super positive. Um... I'm just curious about how you see um, uh, the future, seeing that 
all the different changes that the American society has experienced in 2020. Um, what are what are your hopes for this new year um, and going forward? Um, so I know that we're going to slowly start to open up again. I know vaccinations are underway here. Um, even in terms of myself, we're, we're not planning on going back into the office until at the very earliest this fall. So I don't think things are going to change dramatically very soon. Um, but I think that in general, the programs we've been rolling out have been helpful and hopefully we can do more of that. Um, I'll help small business in the state. I know there's businesses that haven't even been opening during the crisis, which is pretty you know, cool to see that yes, there is still um, the possibility of supporting entrepreneurs and seeing them thrive in these communities um, and making sure they get the resources they need to continue serving those around them. So looking at the agency, looking into 2021, we definitely want to continue to provide cash assistance, technical assistance, free business consulting, things like that. Um, and then looking to the future, who knows what it holds, but we hope that we can, you know, um, help New Jersey be a, a good place to live and a good place to to have your business too. Hmm. And, and yourself, do you have any other uh, things you would wish to see uh, for New Jersey or for the American society going forward? Um, I, I think there's so many things, Fanny. It's hard to be like, <laughs> you know, whether that would be like nationalized healthcare or better transit. I feel like, you know, as an urban planner and like, someone interested in public policy there's so many big things investment to our climate and combating the climate crisis i think all these things are super important um i am perhaps i'm hopeful but also skeptical these things will happen but a little hopeful a little hopeful and you're working towards making some of these things happen so that's super positive well thank you for joining us thank you for having me Thank you for listening to this episode and thanks to Mera Kumar for talking to us. For more information, you can visit our blog at this address www.blog.lsc.ac.uk slash Progressing Planning. Thanks to the Knowledge Exchange and Impact Fund at LSC for sponsoring this episode. Next episode, we'll be talking with Emma Spruce, a teaching fellow at the Department of Gender Studies at LSC and with Florian Ortega, who is a manager and adaptation lead for cities and region at the Carbon Trust. See you soon.